You are now listening to the Solomon Attention Podcast. Today's topic will be all about generational wealth. So I have with me uh, Miss Portia Wood. Uh, she's a five-time top forty under forty uh, named by top forty under forty attorney named by the National Black Association. And so we're so excited to have her come on the Solomon Podcast to give us wisdom and guidance and encourage us about this topic that a lot of millennials uh, know that that you all, our primary audience, have been thinking about. Uh, within your own life and trying to break generational cycles, and that is generational wealth. So, Ms. Wood, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so happy to be here and to be able to talk with you today. I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Thank you so much for, for joining. So, tell us a little bit about your, your story, your background. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you mentioned it. Um, I am a generational wealth planning attorney. My mother and I are partners in our firm. So we are black female owned and operated multi-generational law firm focused on intergenerational wealth transfer, particularly in black and brown communities, right? Historically and systematically um, disenfranchised communities. So that's been our big focus because we realized that there is a knowledge gap as it relates to, to black and brown communities and the, the actual legal transfer of wealth. And so we're trying yeah. to fill that void. Yeah, how long have you been practicing? I have been an attorney since 2011. Yeah, okay, dope. For a little while now. <laughs> seasoned, I like it, I like I'm it, I like seasoned. it. Yeah. A little seasoned, that's a good thing, that's a good thing. So, so, from a simplistic standpoint, uh, what is generational wealth? So lots of people define generational wealth as, as sort of money passing from hand to hand. In, in mm. our firm, we define it a little bit differently. Um, typically, it's about opportunities. The ability to have access to opportunity, whether that be educational um, or whether that be the ability to live in a neighborhood that uh, is safe or to be able to not have to worry about whether or not the lights are gonna turn off on you or that you're gonna have food in your fridge. All of those things are, are wealth, right? Oper wealth is opportunity, wealth is access, wealth is um, control because with those kinds of baselines, you really are in a position to thrive. And so it's not just like, let me leave millions of dollars. If you've got one house that maybe Big Mama owns, and she is able to keep that house for the benefit of her children and grandchildren, that one home could be the catalyst for everybody else getting a home, right? Because one paid off house, you can take a mortgage, you can leverage it, you can get money out of it, you can rent it, you can do all of these things without ever selling it. And then you have a continuing asset that, that continues to um, grow and thrive for the benefit of the family. So wealth is really opportunity and understanding how to protect those, those opportunities. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good definition. I love how you talk about wealth being access and opportunity. And so, and I think that kind of speaks to some other things I want to talk to you about. So, because I think that's such a key definition uh, access and opportunity. So what are some of the stigmas around generational wealth that you found within the, the Black community? Um, because some people feel like that means that, that you have to be filthy rich, or that means that 
you know, there's all different types of things out there in terms of what that means. So, so what are your thoughts around, around that within our community specifically? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions around what generational wealth means and what it means to be wealthy. Oftentimes people have this idea that wealthy means I've got millions of dollars and I've got a ton of money to pass on and like that's wealth. And one of the places where we miss is how is wealth built? That kind of wealth as we define it, right? How is that built? Well, it's through assets. It's through stuff. It's through real estate. It's through investments. It's through the passing of these real estates and investments and life insurance and these different financial vehicles in a way where they are protected. You know, we are lucky enough to live in a stable economy unlike other people in the world. What we know about wealth is that if you have a stable economy, money will grow if you have two things, protection and time, right? If you just put money into the markets in a stable economy, over time, that will just grow as long as it's protected. What we don't do is we often don't invest. And so the dollars that we are working for every year are, are becoming less valuable because of inflation. And so, you know, we are devaluing or losing money every year by not accessing those markets. Um, but we also deal in like mattress money, right? Like we don't typically understand, have the same financial literacy around the value of our assets. And so one of the hardest things we do or we have to deal with is contending with that. Hey, no, this one house that you live in that you think is not such a great neighborhood because you're like coveting this other neighborhood over here. Um, you're like, oh, well, it's not, it's not that important. It's not that great. But it's like it is actually because a bank will loan you money against that house. So if you've paid it off and your kids have it and they say, hey, I want to you know, start a business and I need $50,000. Well, if your house is worth $100,000, guess what? They could borrow that $50,000 against that house. Now they have their capital to start their business versus if they went to the bank and said, hey, I wanna start a business, can you give me $50,000? They'd say no. Oftentimes they say no, right? Because you have no collateral. So the hardest part is getting people to understand the value of what they have and changing mm. the mindset around what is wealth. Mm. Yeah, that's key. And so you talk about mindset around what is wealth. What are some of the, the small things that you think millennials can begin to do uh, to change that mindset, to start to plant those seeds, especially my millennial couples who are newly married, who may be listening? What, what are your, some of your comments about that? Yeah, I think when we're thinking about mindset, we should start with what do we want to achieve? What are we trying to do? When we say generational wealth, what does that mean for us? Um, but also understand that when we're talking about generational wealth or we're talking about investing, we're talking about money, what we're really talking about is setting up a structure or planting the seeds in a garden that people we have never met will enjoy right? Mm. Members of our family that we will never, ever see, they will enjoy it. Because historically, what we've been doing, and this is the mind trash that I want people to get rid of, is we've been tilling the soil, planting the seeds, fertilizing the ground, watering it. And every time we, the person who's done all this work, passes away, it goes through a court process, it goes through the state, the people who come behind don't have those protections on it and somebody else's family 
is enjoying that garden that we work so hard for. And we've got to change that mindset to say, if I'm going to till this soil, this soil will remain mine. And that's whatever. It's your bank account. It's your life insurance. It's anything that you own that has, has value saying, okay, I'm going to make sure that this stays with us and understanding what those things are. So I think that would be the first thing I'd say is, is get out of this head trash that people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm. Get out of this head trash that struggle is necessary. Get out of the head trash that struggle builds warriors. Because the reality is struggle does build warriors, but every level has its own struggles, right? So we don't have to start at the bottom to, to, to have, have gumption and grit. We can have a baseline. That's not, uh, that's not this mentality of like, we constantly have to be operating out of a scarcity mindset. We can empower our kids and our grandkids and our, our, our community to be so much bigger and broader than that. Because I mean, we're queens and king, right? We've got to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, yeah. I like how you talk about the mind trash that we sometimes um, feed into or internalize that can really be blocking us from kind of experiencing this new level that that you or this space that you're in uh, on a day-to-day basis. And so from a legal perspective and, and just any other experience that you might have, you talked about mindset, but what are some some practical steps that, that individuals can do to begin to build that generational wealth? So, you know, everybody's got a different perspective. Uh, for me, the foundation to your financial house is always going to be your estate plan. You cannot build a financial house on a crumbling foundation. You cannot build it on a foundation of quicksand. It will not last. And your, your estate plan is what secures your foundation. Why? Because if you get sick and you can no longer work and you've got to go through a court conservatorship process because you don't have a comprehensive estate plan, now the state is involved with your money. The state is, 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 is I'm not gonna call it a taking, but because they're earning it, right? But the state takes pieces of your money, conservators take pieces of your money, accountants, attorneys, all these people are involved in your life and draining yeah. your financial resources because you got sick and weren't able to ha- take care of yourself. Let's be clear, 63% of people over the age of 65 need some form of care before they pass away. That number is getting right. younger strokes and heart attacks and younger people probably related to the stress as well as diet you know there's a lot of reasons for that we're also seeing you know the impact of COVID-19 which is like the world for leaving infants orphaned due to COVID-19 and so when we think about what those numbers represent one illness one change in your circumstance and you can't work or now you spend money on medical and if your foundation isn't secure all of that house is just going to come crumbling down. Same thing if right. somebody dies. Somebody dies and now the, the foundation of your financial home is crumbling. Anything you built on top of it is gone. And so don't start with the house. Everybody wants the shiny yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Don't fall for the shiny, the shiny stuff. The, the foundation is where you start. It's the piece that nobody thinks is sexy. It's the part nobody sees. It's the thing that's so private. But if you've built your shiny house on a solid foundation, yeah. it lasts forever. Wow, wow. 
Yeah, yeah, man, you dropping gems all over the place, man. And I'm definitely learning as I know that our listeners uh, are as well, because I know me personally, I'm trying to put things in place to 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 build generational wealth for myself as well and and have have looked at certain things and how I want to map things out. You know, there's this big push again to that 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 statistic. Say that statistic again about the the individuals who are about 63%, you say they're retiring early or they're oh they're gonna need some type of care. Yeah, but about 63% of people over the age of 65 need some form of long-term care before they pass away. Average yeah. amount of care between men and women is about 2.5 years. It's actually longer for women than men. We tend to lend yeah. longer. It doesn't mean we're living healthier, but we tend to live longer. Um, we also saw, you know, in COVID-19, one in 505 mm. African-Americans died in 2020 as a result of COVID-19. And so that's more than mm. one person a day which yeah. has really accelerated the timeline for what is the largest wealth transfer in the history of this country, particularly wow. in the African-American and, and Latino Latinx communities. We are, we have more wealth than ever before to pass on to the next generation and more than 70% yeah. of our community is wholly unprepared. They don't have any wow. planning at all. And so we will start to see this redistribution of what we've been working for if, if we don't, if we don't take some really drastic measures today. Yeah. Yeah, man. Really, really, really good. And so uh, tell us, what are you reading? I feel like, I feel like you have great book recommendations just from your energy. <laughs> what, 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 what are you reading? Um, so I like the color of money. It's always a really good uh, book recommendation. The color of money yeah. um, under the color of law is a good one. Right. Um, you know, really understanding what is happening in, in society and how law plays a part in that. You know, we're talking about redlining, we're talking about redistricting, we're talking about, you know, education, we're talking about all of these pieces. People think about them in silos, right? It's like, oh, the law, <laughs> there was this one law of redlining that was so bad, but it's so much more than that. It's like you... Yeah. Redline, you didn't provide mortgage insurance for black families. It made it more difficult for black people to buy homes. Then you devalued the communities in their neighborhoods. You redistrict them so that we could, we, our votes were undervalued. And like all of these systemic things are related to generational wealth. Um, And I think that's an important piece for people to understand. Um, I always love going back and reading Ta-Nehisi's Coates's uh, The Case for Reparations. I, I think that it was just so strong and just well done. And while he only focuses really on, on one aspect, he does a really great job of, of showing how that impact over generations, which I think is, is great. Um, there's an article that was also in The Atlantic. I think it's rich white college graduates are doing really well with their parents' money. Um, and that is also a great article talking about the racial wealth gap and why it continues to sort of grow despite the, the leveling off of incomes. And it comes down to sort of this transfer. Well, there's several reasons, uh, but one of them being this transfer of wealth element. If mm-hmm. one person is getting a transfer of wealth and perhaps they can work that unpaid internship mm-hmm. because they've mm-hmm. got family support, that's wealth. Right? right, because that gives them the opportunity to do something that maybe you know an equally qualified African American or Latinx couldn't do because they needed yeah. they needed to make yeah. a salary, couldn't work for free. Um, that's yeah. an unequalizing. So then, when you come into the workforce and you're applying for the job, you don't have the same level of experience anymore. 
Yeah. And that that's, you know, that's a wealth distinguisher. Yeah. Those are some yeah. of the things that I think people should read. I actually do have a book list. Uh, yes. On my website. Um, and if people, you know, go to my Instagram, I have a link. It's yeah. just resource library. And there's these articles yeah. are there as well as others, uh, as well yeah. as uh, sort of book recommendations and more. So. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, how can we connect with you? I, I was going to ask you that at the end, but you plugged it. How can we connect with you on social and your firm and the great things that you're doing? Yeah. So we're just Wood Legal Group across all sort of social media. Um, and then Black Trust Fund Kids on TikTok. Uh, Black Trust Fund Kids on Clubhouse. We have a club there um, and we meet several times. Um, and then I'm Portia Wood on, on Clubhouse. So anybody can find me there as well. And then again, our website is just woodlegalgroup.com. So people can always find me there. We do yeah. webinars almost every month. So yeah, talking about what's happening. And we've actually got an event coming up on Black Friday. We are yes, tell us about it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we are pulling together a whole group of Black women from at the top of their fields to come in and talk to Black women. We talk, you know, I say all the time, as do others, that, you know, wealth is not a single person sport. It's a team sport. You need everybody, right? It's not just mm -hmm. your estate planning attorney, but it's also your accountant. It's your financial advisor. It's your mortgage broker. It's your realtor, right? Because if you own a house and you don't know what it's worth or you don't know what interest rates are because you're not tracking it, then you don't know if you could be saving $600 mm -hmm. a month or not, right? But if you have that person on your team, they're going to call you and say, hey, guess what? Interest rates dropped. I think we should jump on this, right? right. And they're going to have your portfolio. And if you're not quite ready, they're going to work with you to get ready. That's the wealth. That's a wealth building opportunity. Um, and so we are bringing all of these people together, Black female GCs. There's only a couple general contractors there's only a couple in the country. And so wow. we've got all of these women coming together to talk about their different industries um, and to be that sort of team for people. And that's gonna be on Black Friday, um, 2021. Yeah. That at the, the Man, that is dope. And so before we let you go, uh, Ms. Wood, what or who inspires you to do all of this amazing work? The ancestors. <laughs> I mean, I say that I say that um, flipply, but no, seriously. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I know so much about the family that I come from is because people wrote it down. You know, I can take my family story on on both sides um, pretty far back and all the way back to slavery. Right, my great great grand great 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 grandfather. Let's go three greats uh, was enslaved in Montgomery County, Maryland, and he was the presumed son of the slaveholder and, you know, sort of DNA has sort of proved that now, but he was passed when, it, when the slaveholder passed um, or the enslaver passed, he passed my great, great grandfather, great, great, great grandfather through an estate plan, through a will to his nieces because he didn't have any quote unquote legitimate children. And so his enslaved people were passed to his nieces. Well, my ancestor bought his freedom from his own biological aunts and proceeded to buy the land from them as well. Ended up owning 600 acres and 660 acres in Montgomery County, Maryland. When he passed, what he did with that land was build a school. He contributed wow. to the community. He gave out business loans for other formerly enslaved people to be able to start businesses. And so had this whole commu community where people were educated, he got politically active. And so 
I know all of this stuff because they wrote it down, right? And wow. when he died, he left the land to his four children, my great-great-grandmother being one of those children. And in his estate plan, because he created an estate plan, it was required that if you wanted to sell your piece of land, you had to offer it to one of the other family members first. And so she sold her piece to her brother and yeah. took her money. And she and her husband founded the Afro-American newspaper, which is the longest continuously wow. running family owned black newspaper in the country. And that was founded to tell black stories, right? Because the laws would change and the mainstream newspaper would not talk about what the impact of that would be on the black community. You know, things would be happening, developments or, or anything at trials of black people, which villainized them in the news, much like we see today. Uh, the Afro was a place where it would come in and it would write the other side of the story. It would talk to the family, would find out who people are, but also to talk about our successes and our joy, not just paint these pictures of, of black people in society as these villains, as mainstream media often did at the time, but to show our fullness and our wholeness and to educate and protect us. And that, that's the legacy that I carry. So when I think about starting a business and I think about you know, doing this work, what inspires me is I'm just carrying the torch forward um, from the people who came before me. And I'm, I'm just wow. thankful that I, I have that, that knowledge that um, you know, I know a lot of people don't, don't get to have that history. So I'm just carrying it forward. Wow. Wow. You definitely inspired me to, to do more work in that space to, to learn more about my ancestors and, and, and the work that they did and, and their, um, you know, how, how they lived in this space. And so you know, I know you've inspired just, you know, hundreds of others that are going to listen to this episode too, to, to tap into that. So Ms. Wood, this was an amazing conversation. I think I got more than I even anticipated. I just appreciate your energy and, and, uh, and I want to stay connected with you and connected to the work that you're doing. And I know so many others that are listening uh, were inspired by this episode as well. So thank you, Ms. Wood, for coming on the Solomon Tension podcast. And we look forward to hearing about the amazing things that you will uh, continuously do. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.